the Backpage Football Podcast. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. When the seagulls follow Chora, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. And do I say okey-doke all the time? You do. I don't even say it all the time. You say it about, say, 15 times in the programme. <laughs> People are telling us this is a great day for Irish football. Well, it's not difficult to get Trapatoni if you're going to pay him that amount of money. I'll tell you, it's a great day for his accountants and his bankers. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. BBF. Hello and welcome to this week's Trade the Back podcast brought to you by BackpageFootball.com Back once again to take a look at some of the big stories in football with Ender Higgins and Phil Green. How are you lads? Evening lads. Before we move on, a little bit of an announcement because today we launched our very own newsletter. So if you think the world has too many podcasts and too many newsletters, you've certainly come to the wrong place. (laughs) We'll be sending out a weekly newsletter straight to your inbox. So if you like what you hear here, and want to get a little bit more, we would really appreciate you giving it a little bit of a subscribe um, and you'll find, a, find the link um, on all our usual social channels. It'll be on Twitter and everywhere else. Phil, care to tell us a little bit about what any potential subscribers should expect? Yeah, like you said, Kev, it'll, it'll be a bit of an extension of what we talk about here. It'll be kind of um, our own kind of slant on the most recent goings on in football around in Ireland, Europe, around the world. Um, probably looking at kind of one topic with a bit of depth and then a few things that caught our eye from elsewhere and giving you the best of uh, backpagefootball.com as well, making sure that you get it all in one handy place on a Friday afternoon when you're trying to DOS work. Sounds good to me. So like I said, the link, it'll be on Substack and the link will be shared all over Twitter and the usual places. So if you fancy giving us a subscribe, please do as well as that. We have another surprise coming for all our listeners on Wednesday, so keep your eyes peeled on all the usual social channels there just before the Ireland game. Um, we don't want to give away too much at the moment, but uh, we certainly hope you'll be able to join us for that one, that big game against Serbia on Wednesday night. As for today, shortly we'll be joined by Oshie McKearns to take a look at the Ireland game um, this week, the the big World Cup qualifier um, against Serbia. Um, as usual, there's plenty to unpack there ahead of that one um but on the weekend a little bit of a quiet one as far as football was concerned lads um i suppose in europe the champions league draw was made for the quarterfinals um and we're now going into some mad um grant wall ramifications <laughs> um, a, a decent enough draw for for liverpool and, and chelsea there avoiding the big guns on the other side of the draw yeah i think basically Everyone on that side of the draw, Chelsea, Liverpool and Madrid, everyone bar Porto, will probably be fancy in their chances of making the final. I think that probably says a lot to the balance of that side of the draw. Um, Liverpool-Real is, is probably one of the more finely balanced uh, quarterfinals. Uh, the other side seems like a bit of a, a, bit of a snake pit. Um, Bayern and PSG obviously replay the final will be a little tougher. And um, you'd imagine City will overcome Dortmund, but that's a very tasty-looking semi-final that'll be lining up. So... Yeah, I'd say the decided the draw with Liverpool, Chelsea, and Real. I'd say all of them will probably have eyes on progressing deep, but uh, it'll remain. I don't know. It, it, I suppose we've still, still got a couple of weeks until the the games come around, so we'll have to see what sort of shape the squads are in. But uh, it's harder to predict that side. I'd say. Yeah, just interesting. The 
certainly the Liverpool reaction to drawing Madrid has been uh, kind of revealing as to where Madrid are and Zidane are at the moment. But they're kind of playing themselves into some decent form in the last few weeks. They're very impressive in the 3-1 win against Celta Vigo at the moment um, last weekend. Uh, and Benzema, as usual, is proving to be certainly Zidane's main man since Ronaldo has left um, with a couple of really good finishes at the weekend. So I think it'll be slightly tougher for Liverpool uh, than they realise if Madrid can keep up that type of performance, uh, especially with the uh, experience that Zidane relies on. And Asensio looks to be slightly playing himself into a bit of form as well, which would be a massive one because you know Vinicius and Rodrigo have really struggled at either side of Benzema. Um and then again, the Porto-Chelsea one, it feels a bit like Chelsea are underestimating Porto there, considering, you know, it definitely was the performance of the round um, in Juventus mm. uh, last time out. Um, but you'd expect Bayern to take care of PSG, who have struggled slightly under Pochettino, um, although they played pretty well against Lyon last night. And City, barring some sort of disaster, should get through against Dortmund, who are really starting to struggle now at the moment. Um, and I don't know if you saw Haaland storm off at the end of <laughs> the 2-2 draw at the weekend, but um, that was that was a real blow for them. So they're conceding a lot of poor goals at the moment. So definitely, I think um, the other four teams at the other side of the draw definitely have a strong chance of getting through. But if Chelsea can play the way they have been playing the last few weeks, they're probably the ones who have kept it tightest out of those four teams. So over two legs um, and coming through against Atletico was very impressive. So... I wouldn't be overly surprised if Chelsea made the final from that side um, and probably Bayern on the other side. Yeah, when I saw the draw um, on the Chelsea side and I know Porto obviously had that huge win against um, Juventus and like you said, it was probably the the game of the season, let alone the, the game of the the round in, in, in the last 16. But I mean, Tuchel in terms of going one better than he did last year with PSG, I think it's kind of set up in that sort of, I don't know, I don't really want to compare to Roberto Mart or Roberto Di Matteo, sorry. Um, but like he's a really decent squad there. And defensively now, they've kind of found that solidity that if they got a little bit of form out of out of Werner and, and f- started finding some goals, I mean, I think I think they really should be beating Porto at the end of the day. Um, and then it could be teed up for, for a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a revenge game with Liverpool. There's been so many big European games between those two over the years. Um, obviously, we don't have Rafa versus Jose anymore. But Phil, um, on the Liverpool side of the draw, were you, were you happy with Real? Obviously, um, I suppose it's it's kind of easy to, to crap on them at the moment considering um, they're not top of La Liga, but still to be feared, I suppose, in, in a European context. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, as much as Liverpool are um, have whatever I think eight of the team that that played um, in in that Champions League final, Madrid are still, as Enda said, leaning pretty heavily on on the players who got them to, to their Champions League glory recently. Um, I suppose it, when you look at it, it it's probably they're not unhappy with it. I wouldn't say that they'd be delighted. What Liverpool have in defence probably wouldn't stand up well to the likes of Bayern, City, or even Dortmund, um, just with the skill set that the Dortmund forwards have. Uh, whereas with Madrid, maybe you'd, you'd fancy him a little bit more. Not saying that Benzema is not in great form, which he absolutely is, uh, and the Sensio would be a worry, like Endo was saying. But it's probably less outright feared than it would be if if Liverpool had drawn somebody like City or PSG. I mean, like imagine Mbappe running at Quebec and and Nat Phillips. Uh, it would definitely be panic stations in in that sense. So I think 
on the side of the draw that they're in and getting Real is probably not the worst scenario. It's not the best case scenario because you'd probably say it was Porto, notwithstanding that they they were really impressive last time out. Um, but I mean, Champions League quarterfinals, you're going to have to stand up and face a big team eventually. Um, so I wouldn't say there'll be much fear for Liverpool going into it, but equally Real will be happy as well. So I suppose it's one of those really nicely balanced ties where you could look at both at, at, at either side and see them come true. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of actually Kovac under Bayern when they came to face Liverpool. They were quite pragmatic mood and, you know, felt quite satisfied, even though the higher Bayern hierarchy weren't to get a nil at Anfield and then take it to the um, home tie. But um, Madrid under Zidane, they they do play a very slow brand of football, um, a very controlled type of game. And I think that could actually play into Liverpool's hands um, in terms of the counter-attacking that they would have hoped to have done against them in the final a few years ago. But the Salah injury kind of uh, put paid to that plan. So, um, yeah, as Phil says, if you compare that to, you know, the players that Dortmund and PSG and Bayern would have had running at Liverpool, uh, in that sense, it, it is a better draw for them, for sure. I was also convinced Liverpool were going to draw City and I just wasn't ready for it. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'll, I'll take it. And in short of City, I, I'd be happy enough with and um, I just I had it in my head that it was going to be another one of these Pep uh, Klopp two leg affairs, and I don't think it would have turned out as well mm. as it did last time. You mentioned City there. Um, I mean, you have one of the best defenses in Europe coming up against the Highland Machine, and if there was ever a tie where one player will have every single set of eyes on him, and it's his chance now, like he's scoring big goals every week in 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 the Bundesliga, but. What a chance for him to kind of, you know, stake his claim as, as one of the best players in the world already uh, at, at his young age. Yeah, not quite a free hit for, for Dortmund, but it's not far off. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to write them off going into this game. Um, and I think it's it's there for them just to have a cut of it, especially for Haaland. For Sancho as well, it's, I mean, narratives all around him. Mean, there's links today with, with Haaland uh, to City, that City are you now firmly favourites to get him. Sancho, obviously, ex-City, maybe going to United in the summer. There's narrative klaxons going off all over. But um, City have been supremely impressive since kind of October. Uh, and like, there's, there's no doubt in that. But on the few occasions when sides have kind of done something to get at them, I mean, the one that keeps ringing to mind for me is how simple it was for Liverpool to kind of cause a bit of damage and, uh, and a bit of panic in Diaz. Um, if you if you're looking for a player to cause a bit of damage and a bit of panic, Haaland's not a bad one. So, um, I, like I think they can just go out and relatively have a free hit at it. Nobody's expecting much out of them. Uh, getting knocked out at the quarterfinals to Man City will be no great shame. Um, it kind of be par for the course. So it definitely is set up for him to try something. Now I, we all remember what he was like last year. Uh, with, with PSG and his uh, his kind of yoga pose celebration and stuff. So he'll definitely seize whatever moment he gets, whether that'll be backed up by the rest of the team, I'm less sure. Yeah, I think the problem for Dortmund will be, I, I don't think they'll have enough possession lately. They've been using a, a pivot of Bellingham and Dahu, and Dahu has had a great reputation at Gladbach, but has really struggled at Dortmund, but is probably having his best season. But beside Bellingham, who's still kind of learning that position, uh, being so young, it's not given Dortmund a lot of control in games at the moment. And they're really missing Witzel, who's out for the season. Um, and Delaney hasn't really gotten much of a look in lately. So if unless they pack the midfield with an extra midfielder, and which wouldn't really suit the way Dortmund are trying to play, um, 
I can't see them having enough possession to really hurt City uh, with the way they set up at the moment. And then obviously City's forwards against Hummels in particular uh, would be a massive concern for Dortmund. But I, I just hope they go and you know treat it the way Monaco did in the quarterfinal a few years ago, which is just, just ran at City. I know City are, are much stronger at the back now compared to when they were then, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if Haaland and Sancho did get some good chances on the break. Uh, but overall, across the two ties, I just don't think Dortmund's current style of play and lack of confidence, and of course the fact that they're fifth in the Bundesliga and really need to concentrate on on getting into the CL next year. Um, I just can't see them really causing enough problems for City over the two games. You mentioned mentioned um, Gladbach there, and big news, I suppose, in, in Bundesliga today was Xabi Alonso has been announced as um, as their new manager, taking over from Marco Roche, um, who's off to Dortmund in the summer, I think. So, um, by all accounts, not not just a team taking a punt on a kind of big named ex player. To, um, he's coming from Real Sociedad B team, but there, there there's more to him than than just being a, a big name ex player. Yeah, he's also absolutely gorgeous. Uh, that was <laughs> mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm incredibly enthusiastic about this. Um, obviously, there's a, a Liverpool bias there. Like, I mean, I think most football fans have an appreciation for Alonso. Like, your mileage may vary slightly, but uh, I think most football fans, in their right mind, would have an appreciation for Alonso, the player, and um, his kind of his innate kind of sense of 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 style as a player and kind of as a person. Uh, so it's it's a really exciting move. Um. It's not unknown for Bundesliga clubs to take a bit of a punt on kind of a bit of a random shot. It just so happens that this random shot is, you know, one of the best midfielders of his generation. Um, it is still like as ended up, end up probably touching this again uh, himself. But like he was saying earlier today on social that it's it is a big punt for them when they're coming off the back of a couple of good years, a couple of good years of Champions League qualification, reaching the last sixteen this year. Um, they are very much in the mix to be like you know the second best team in Germany. There's probably a good few teams in there, but they're in the mix for it. So it's not without its risks for them, given how unproven he is. Uh, but for Alonso, it's a brilliant move. I mean, like it's incredible. And Rory Smith was was making the point that it's actually probably a better springboard for Alonso to get into the Premier League than Rangers is for Gerrard. Um, and if Ger- if Stephen Gerrard wasn't who Stephen Gerrard is, Alonso becoming Munchen Gladbach manager would actually make him more likely, in my view, to become Liverpool manager quicker than the ex Liverpool manager who was managed or like ex Liverpool player who was managing Rangers, other than the fact that it's Steven Gerrard. And um, so it like it's a great appointment for Alonso in and of itself, but it's also a massive springboard to nearly whatever job he wants if this goes right. I mean, he's the next Bayern player, he's the next Real Madrid player. If he does well here, it's a real springboard. Uh, he's got really exciting players now. Depends on how many of them will stay. It will be a bit of a carrot for some of them to stay, but um, they've got quite an exciting team. He, by all accounts, has really exciting ideas of how to play football. Um, I mean, why wouldn't he use Abby Alonso? But um, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. And I'm probably more forgiven of this one than I would be of a more qualified Frank Lampard taking over Chelsea. But, you know, he's Lampard and this is Alonso, so there's no comparison. Yeah, maybe looks at the criteria these days since Arteta came in and bedazzled <laughs> the media for a year before any criticism came his way. So, um, you know, if it's based on looks, then they've got they've got the right man because Jabby's a belter. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Like as I was saying to Phil earlier, there is something different about Alonso. You know, captaining 
captaining Sociedad so young and, you know, almost leading them to a title, um, which, you know, that was against the Real Madrid Galacticos at the time. So he's always had a bit of a, an aura about him um, and very intelligent and speaks very well about the game. Uh, but only eight months at Sociedad B is, you know, not a lot of experience, although they're top of their, I think there's four different types of groups at that level and they're top of theirs. Um, so certainly decent signs there. Um, and you can look at Gladbach's current form in two ways, which is, you know, they're potentially underperforming for a side that was so comfortable in the top four in the first half of the season. But if they do finish seventh or eighth, that's quite a nice situation for Alonso to come into after, you know, the PR disaster of Marco Rose and, you know, losing seven games in a row and getting knocked out of the Champions League pretty poorly playing against City. Um, so it could be a perfect situation for him. And the type of squad that they have as well, it's perfect for that kind of blueprint of a young, exciting attacking manager coming in. You know, we spoke a lot about Neuhaus in the past, um, Zakaria, who hasn't been as impressive this season, but still could potentially be, you know, an excellent defensive midfielder. And then obviously the, the front players they have play in Bolo. Um, Stindl has had a very good season as well. So it's a very strong squad on paper. Um, and the fact that, you know, when the fans do get back in, hopefully early next season, you know, there'll be naturally an incredible support behind them just because they'll have fans back in the stadium again. So it could be just the, it, it might all just be lining up perfectly for Alonso as opposed to coming in and taking over a team who had just finished third or fourth and, you know, having pressure of the Champions League and having to repeat that. He he probably won't have that situation the way Gladbach are going at the moment. Um, so, you know, as, as sceptical as I was earlier today, the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, not necessarily a free hit either because there is big expectations on Gladbach. You know, top five finishes in the past three seasons is, you know, in, even in the Bundesliga, which, as we know, outside of Bayern is extremely competitive between those positions, between kind of second to tenth. Um, so uh, there will be a bit of pressure on still, but I think it could be a really exciting appointment. <laughs> And depends on the quality of the eggs. In the supermarket you have eggs class 1, class 2, class 3. And some are more expensive than others and some give you better omelets. So when, when the class 1 eggs Adding waitress and you cannot go there. Real Madrid is not Barcelona. It's off a small team. Have many problems. I want my players play with balls. Delighted to welcome Oshin McKearns on to preview this week's Ireland Internationals. Thanks for coming on, Oshin. Hope you're well. No problem, Kevin. All good. Thanks for having me. So the run-up to this, um, I suppose, was typical Irish football, wasn't it? Plagued with injuries, um, uncertainty. Um, and if his luck couldn't get any worse for Kenny, without two of our best players in John Egan and Darren Randolph, both missing through injury, um, and one of our most informed players as well, and Conor Horahan missing, um, Oshin, how would you rate the optimism going into a, a nice fresh campaign here? Yeah, it's tough. Those injuries are tough. You mentioned it there. I mean, Horahan and Egan, especially. I think Egan is the one for me. I mean, because he's so key to the way Kenny wants to play, playing out from the back, and he's definitely of the the defenders in the squad. He's 
by far the best on the ball. So he's going to be a huge loss. I know maybe his form hasn't been brilliant with Sheffield United and they've been struggling a lot this season, but he still brings a lot to the Irish defence. And obviously you've got Howerton, who, of course, just as he's kind of hitting the purple patch, he, uh, he gets injured for Swansea at the weekend and Randolph and Keller. So as you said, yeah, the injuries again are starting to pile up and it seems like Kenny can get no luck. But I think there is kind of optimism there. I mean, it's a fresh campaign, which is always great. Um, for Irish fans in terms of optimism. It's a World Cup campaign as well, which I don't know about you guys, but it always kind of feels a little bit big. I know the Euros is obviously great too, but the World Cup always feels a little bit bigger and always feels like just a little bit more excitement towards it. Um, I'm quite optimistic in terms of the group. I think Portugal probably, I think everyone can will agree that Portugal are, are probably going to run away when you look at their squad. It's an absolute joke. But the second second spot is definitely up for grabs between Ireland and Serbia. Um, you'd imagine that Luxembourg won't be doing much and probably the same with Azerbaijan. So I think as a whole, I'm optimistic again. As you said, the injuries are not ideal. He can't really get any luck. But I think the squad still looks quite decent. And if you kind of think about it, starting 11, like there are still options there for him. It's not nearly as bad as it was during the last campaign, just with, with injuries and COVID and things like that. So I think I'm, I'm quietly optimistic now again as... We're kind of speaking off air, but there's always kind of the idea that you, you're kind of optimistic before an Ireland game, and then the game just kicks off, and it's about 20 minutes in, and you start to kind of <laughs> you, you kind of start to get that negativity will come in. But but no, I'm I am optimistic definitely. I think yeah, I think the Serbia game represents a great opportunity to really see to get a real measure, a benchmark, I suppose, yeah. of, of what this Ireland team is actually going to be like. And consider it's now what six months since the last time they played, so I think it's it's going to be a proper a, a really good gauge of how they are. I think a, a quick start is going to have to. I mean, it's it's a bit of an obvious thing to say, but I think a, a good start, a solid start from off the bat with the with the group. I, for me, I don't want to go into pre, into predictions like that, but for me, I'm looking and thinking score, draw, or or potentially a win. But yeah, as a whole, as a whole, I'm quite optimistic about the group. I'm optimistic about the campaign. Kenny's, as I said, no luck, but he's he's trying it the right way. So that's that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I think. Fully agree with what you said, and I think it's it's nice to to buy into a little bit of optimism, especially coming up to a a fresh campaign. Um, I mean, reading some of the comments coming out of the camp, I mean, there does tend to be a lot of kind of players coming to the defence of Kenny. Um, you know, I think I think the players know that they're going in the right direction if they mightn't have seen the results so far. Um, especially in front of in front of goals where we've really struggled. Um, I suppose if we, if we start there um, and work our way back, um, missing Adam Ida, who kind of seems to be Kenny's preferred centre forward, um, he hasn't had a hugely impressive campaign for Norwich. Um, I suppose coming into this season, we would have hoped to see him in action a little bit more, but um, missing him, it looks like maybe James Collins could get the nod up front. Um, Aaron Kennelly is available, which is a huge bonus, even though he hasn't been um, too great for Brighton either. But who who would you like to see start up front um, and maybe work off them either side? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a really interesting one, as I said. I think either is his first choice, and I think he's kind of established that already. And it is disappointing that he's missing. Now, I know, as you did say there, like his campaign has been very, mm-hmm. like, injury, obviously injury-stricken. And when he's come back, he's, I know he's, he's, he's nabbed himself a couple of goals, but they've been kind of in cameos, really. Like, I think I kind of... I kind of had. I was quite optimistic um, when when poor Norwich, but when Norwich got relegated, I was kind of optimistic. I kind of would have assumed that maybe Pookie would go. I know I've got Jordan Hugel there as well, but I kind of would have said that maybe Pookie would go and I'd get more of a chance. And and maybe he would have again. Injuries, we don't know. But I think I mean I'm really interested to see what Kenny goes with with the number nine. I, I think Collins is not the worst option. I think you kind of know what you're going to get with Collins, and if you consider 
if you consider like um the the, the nature of probably what the game is going to be like you're going to come up against two big tough Serbian center halves maybe it could be a game that Collins will kind of thrive in that kind of environment I think Shane Long is probably in with a shout to be fair I know he's another one who isn't getting a great amount of game time but he has scored a couple of goals for Bournemouth it's a funny one because Long has kind of been he's been in I mean, he hasn't really been a kind of staple of the last kind of year or so, even towards the back end of Mick. And I know he started once for Kenny, but I think he's probably in with a, in with a big show. I would like to see someone like Callum Robinson in the nine. I'd be interested to see how he'd do there. I think Connolly probably, I think Kenny likes Connolly out wide a lot more than he likes him through the middle. And again, I think the nature of this game would probably suit. I think Connolly, I love, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Connolly, obviously, but I think he just will be a little bit more effective out wide, especially in a game like this, just to kind of give the Serbian fullbacks a little bit of trouble, maybe, with his pace and running in behind. So I I would like to see what Callum Robinson could do in that position, um, to be honest. I know he played there for West Brom this season. He hasn't, I think it's been the last 10 games he hasn't come off the bench, which is obviously not ideal. But again, when you consider the fact that most of, I mean, James Collins probably aside, uh, a lot of the Irish um, attackers are not really kind of getting solid game time there so I probably I would like to go I would like to say Robinson but I think he might go long um, and then out wide I think Conley's for me if Conley's fit he's one of the first names on the team sheet and I think I think Kenny likes him out on that left hand side or, yeah I think he likes him there so I'd, I'd say he'll go there and then for the other wing it's a tough one because I've heard a lot of people say make the Doherty claim and say that Doherty and Coleman kind of have like when you've got players who two players who are that good, I know they're playing in the same position, but you have to kind of play two of them or you have to kind of pigeonhole the two of them in there. I don't know about that in terms of Doherty because he's struggled this season. I know he's a great player, there's no doubt about it, but he just he's he's bang out form. Like and I, I don't know that I take the risk on Doherty playing in that position when you've got perhaps more natural more natural options there. Unless maybe you go then you play Connolly right and you go McLean out the left, because you know what McLean's gonna do. This kind of game will probably suit him on a away game against a team like Serbia. He'll be into them straight away. That kind of that kind of style might suit him. But um, I think I mean there's options for Kenny. It's just and it's probably the same with midfield. I don't have to go into that, but the options there's options there. It's just the fact that there's no kind of bar maybe Connolly. I don't think there's a guaranteed. Kenny doesn't really necessarily know, especially with the squad right now. What like you can't look. I can't look at those attack an option and say Barry Connolly oh yeah he's starting he's definitely playing you know that kind of way mm-hmm. so for me I'd like to see I'd like to see Robinson but I think he'll probably go along and then Connolly one side probably McLean the other um, I don't really think he'll go with, with Doherty that high up but again I could be wrong but that's probably what I, how I'd see it Do you think um, we might see a cameo from Troy Paris um Obviously, he had a pretty poor spell at Millwall. Um, never really got going, and he kind of had a few injury issues as well, which he struggled to shake off. But by all accounts, he's he's doing really well at Ipswich so far. Um, scored a pretty good goal uh, the week before last. But um, the, the the general feedback about him is that he's starts he's starting to put a, a shift in um, and kind of contribute to other areas of the game, which you know could catch the eye of Kenny in terms of playing that centre forward position. Definitely, yeah. I think he's kind of turned into a different, a different kind of striker, nearly. Because I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people who kind of, perhaps some player, some people who, who wouldn't see him very often. No, that's not to say I do. I mean, I've seen him with the twenty to twenty ones a good bit, and obviously, um, when he played that New Zealand game. But I think a lot of people kind of saw the, the Spurs thing and thought, oh yeah, there's Robbie Keane, Mark two, 
when he's not even he doesn't even remotely play in that kind of way I, I, I never really saw him as that kind of player I think he's kind of more I would have said he's probably more in a Harry Kane mould really than a kind of than a Robbie Keane now that's obviously a high, that's high praise considering how good Kane is but um yeah, it's good to see because it does seem like, as as you mentioned, all reports that are coming out of Ipswich are that okay, he he's only got one goal, and to be fair, he took the goal well. It was I know the defender knocked it straight to him, but he still had work to do. So I think by all accounts, the kind of the consensus is that he is putting in a shift there, and he's kind of he's working really really hard for the team. I think he's playing kind of just when he does play. I think he's he's off a striker called James Norwood, so he's not necessarily I think the the kind of focal point of that attack. But Kenny has played him in a couple of different positions too for the 21s. Um, he's played him in the 10th. He's, he's come off the bench and he's played him out left. So he's versatile in that sense. So I think we'll see him. Yeah, I do think we will. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's in, in with a chance of starting, especially the Serbia game. Maybe, I don't know if Kenny risks, if the Serbia game goes really well, maybe the Luxembourg game, I don't know. Probably the Qatar game, he probably give him a start because like, you know, that's a bit of a kind of a, a nothing game really. But, I definitely think he's in, in with a show for a cameo. And I think the fact that he's probably become quite versatile, and Kenny always thinks he has been versatile, I suppose, would be a better way of putting it. That he, like he could, if if Ireland there, I don't know, if Ireland there, it's nil all 70 minutes, he could throw him up top, he could throw him out wide, he could say, okay, we'll, I'll take a midfielder off, I'll take an advanced midfielder off, I'll put Parrott there and play him as more of a second striker, kind of off, I don't know, Long or Collins or something like that. So I think he's I think he's as, he's as in with a show as anyone in the squad, probably, to get some kind of game time I don't think he starts but um, I would I would like to see him and to be fair to him the fact that I know he came off the bench now at the weekend so it doesn't really count but he is playing a lot of football I know as we said he's not scoring but like he's probably playing more football than a lot of the, the options there like you like to probably Shane Long um, who else is there probably not Collins Robinson definitely so like he maybe he's more of a viable option than I think I'm even talking myself into it here but um, no I'd, I'd imagine he'll be He'll be. Um, he could feature off the bench, but I don't think he'll start. Well, Shane, I don't think it's it's unfair to say that Kenny hasn't quite found the right balance in his midfield since he started. Yes. Um, like whether that's uh, as as a unit to set the tempo in the way that Kenny wants to play, or to be kind of more robust and to give us a, a kind of a physical domination. Um, there's always been this idea that that uh, James McCarthy would be his preference as as a pure number six if he was fit, and as we were talking about earlier, Conor Harrahan, who's been in great form for Swansea, is missing as a, as is McCarthy, and uh, McCarthy has been uh, well for most of the last kind of six or seven yeah. years, but definitely since Kenny's been in. Um, with with those absentees, there's actually still a few options in midfield. I mean, you're talking about people like Alan Brown, Jason Knight, Jason Malumby, Robbie Brady, even Jeff Hendrick. Um, Josh Cullen do you think there's a chance that we actually see a couple of newer faces I mean all of them are capped but is there a chance that we see newer faces like like Malumbi or Knight making themselves fixtures at the start of this campaign what what, what do you think this midfield's going to look like for the Serbia game yeah you see that it's an interesting one for I was kind of thinking about it today myself like for me it's for me it's an issue in the sense that I don't think Kenny I know now injuries and things like that and I think Powerhan probably would have been the one but all things considered, he's not squad now. But um, for me, it's a bit of a worry that I don't think Kenny, like it's it's a, it's a double edged sword because it's a worry and it's it's probably promising too. But I don't think Kenny can kind of look at his midfielders and think, yeah, you're a guaranteed starter. Yeah. I don't think he kind of and 
I think there needs to be more kind of continuity. I know continuity is so, so difficult given the times that we're in when players are kind of dropping in and out and stuff like that. But for me, that's a bit of a worry, the fact that he, he there is no kind of midfielder. There's no say. You Like you mentioned, McCarthy. Obviously, he's not in the squad, but I, don't, I, I think he nearly played him. McCarthy nearly played himself out of being kind of first choice, I think. Um, I didn't think he played very well at all. I think it was against Slovakia. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does in the midfield. I think, as you said there, like Kenny loves that number six. Like he loves that kind of Connor Coventry. You don't know what you see with the twenty ones, where you go like Coventry as a six, and you've got Malumbi as like the eight, kind of going up and down, yeah. and then you've got someone as the advancement fielder, so like probably, I don't know Connor Rowland or someone as either as like a ten or a kind of I don't know maybe like an eight and a half type thing, where they're kind of um, not quite a not quite a ten, but not necessarily a sitter. So I think he'll probably stick with that. Yeah, I think there's opportunities there for guys to make themselves stables, definitely. I think Malumbi's unlucky in the sense that he hasn't probably got the game time he would have liked at Preston. And Alex Neal now is gone, so that might change um, That might change things. But then you've got another guy Preston there, Alan Brown, who I think has got that potential to be... Brown is one that kind of not necessarily frustrates me, but I think he's one of those players. And I think there's a couple of ladies in the squad whereby they've got to... You see Alan Brown and you look at his club form and you think, oh yeah, great, now he'll come into the international window and he'll really hit form. And he, he plays a couple of games thinking, yeah, he's, he's getting there, he's getting there, he's getting there. And then he kind of plateaus or he never quite he never quite kicks on. So I think Brown is is one of those that I would be wanting more from, but I think he probably starts. Um, I think Josh Cullen, I, I mentioned it a couple of times before, I think Josh Cullen could be the one, definitely. I think Cullen, I think Kenny has been super impressed. He mentioned it, by the way, Cullen has kind of adapted to Andelect and to the, European fo- the style of European football there. Uh, so I think Cullen is probably one who... Could be the a breakout. I I don't call it breakout because obviously, as we do, uh, you mentioned, I feel like he's he's a newer face, but we kind of know kind of about him. Yeah. But uh, I think Cullen's one definitely there. Then you look at like, I mean, you look at Hendrick. I think he, he likes Hendrick, and Hendrick obviously has that experience. And, and in fairness to Hendrick, he done well against Slovakia. I've mentioned it before that I'm not Hendrick's biggest fan. Really, I just think it's frustrating with Hendrick because games can pass and boy and you can go 70 minutes of watching a match and all of a sudden you look and you think, is that Jeff? That's Jeff. Oh yeah, Jeff Hendrick. I didn't know he was playing. And you kind of, you don't need that. You don't want that out of midfield. And that's where I think, again, to go back to Malumbi, is the, the, anti, the anti kind of, or the, the, the complete different to that because you always know a player like Jason Malumbi. I think Cullen fits into this bracket as well. You always know a player like that is playing. You'll always know, no matter what. Like even if they're playing badly, you, at least you'll know they're there. So um, Hendrick, I think is probably, I think Hendrick probably plays, and then you've got Jason Knight then as well, who's been brilliant. Like he's been brilliant for Derby, and like he's only still what nineteen or twenty. And you've got Wayne Rooney kind of raving about him constantly. He gave him the captain's armband for three games. Like like whatever about Derby struggles in the league this season, I know they've been well documented. But even for a player that young to be kind of trusted with the mantle of, of captain of a like Derby are a big club there's no question about it now they're struggling so yeah for me to kind of go back to your original question for me I would love to see someone like an, a knight kind of establish himself as one of Kenny's first choice Cullen too but I think it's important that Kenny kind of Kenny establishes essentially what his first choice midfield is and I know again we kind of would touch on it because Howard is out and he would have been for me a guaranteed starter is McCarthy a guaranteed starter? I don't think so anymore. I think he would have been before when he was probably playing in week in, week out with Palace. Um, I think probably would have been then, but I don't think he impressed him the last one, though. So I think it's very important for Kenny over these next three games. And again, this is obviously the caveat of injuries, players dropping out. But I think it's important for Kenny that he kind of establishes, okay, these are more, these are even two, these two guys, even 
Brown, say Brown and Cullen. Okay, these are the two guys I'm going with. I don't like, I, I didn't like the fact that he changed. I think it was from the Slovakia game into the Nations League game. He changed all three midfielders. Mm-hmm. And for, at this, when I when I kind of saw it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, he he's not taking the initiative, but he's not afraid to drop players. But the more I kind of thought about it, the more I was like, I don't know if that was a, if that actually aided Ireland or if it hurt them a little bit because of the again the lack of continuity. So for me, I think that this these next three games are big in that sense to kind of establish some kind of continuity, some kind of get a gauge basically on what his best midfield looks like, even if a couple of players are out. Um, and I think yeah, to go back to it, I think Cullen Cullen is the one for me. Knight definitely stands a chance. I think Malumbi's unlucky. Uh, he does have Kenny. He has a lot of credit in the bank with Kenny, though, to be fair. And he's always done very well when he's played for Ireland, so it's hard to knock that. But I think when you consider all the options, I think Malumbi's probably a little bit lower down the pecking order now. Maybe Knight might have jumped him because he had that man of the match game against Bulgaria. But for me, Josh Cullen, uh, for me to midfield, I think it's going to be Cullen, Brown, as Cullen as your six, um, Hendrick as your eight, and then Brown kind of as your ten or eight and a half. Ocean, you mentioned at the start there um, what a big loss John Egan is. And when you look at the centre-backs that are left in the squad, you're really down to, in terms of your partnership, picking from Clark, O'Shea and Duffy. Um, yeah. Now, the problem with Duffy is that he's had a nightmare season at Celtic, so you have to wonder, would that send the right message out to the other two? Or um, does Kenny just accept that, you know, he's still only 29, Premier League-proven quality, very experienced um who would you pick as the the back pair yeah for me it's, it is a hard one because Duffy's always been great for Ireland there's no question about it um but when you look at his form I think that the context of this game is important too because if they go with someone like a Mitrovic up front and he comes up against the Shane Duffy that's that's a little bit low on confidence or that's a little bit kind of unstable unsteady I think Mitrovic could give him a tower of time and Mitrovic is the kind of He's like he's a nasty, he's a nasty player. Do you know what I mean? He'll get in players' heads and he'll kick, he'll kick players and he'll do everything that's needed, really. And for me, when I look at it, when I look at the kind of form that Duffy's in, I think and I, that doesn't really seem like the right move for me. Again, as I said, I think Kenny has kind of indicated a little bit that Duffy is still so important to this Irish team, and he is. I mean, he's as I said, he's been brilliant. Like some of the games that like, he was, he was un. Like without question, I've been Ireland's best player over the last three, two, three years, probably, maybe even uh, before that. But I think it's, I think it's probably more of a risk to play Duffy than it is to not play him. And especially when you consider, like, I, Kieran Clark, I think has been great this season for Newcastle when I've seen him, and that's to be good for Newcastle is kind of like that to stand out in a team that's been so poor. Like I think he has been really good. And I think Clark's always been quite decent on the ball as well, which is probably crucial because Duffy, obviously on the ball not as good that's not his, that's not where his strength is like Duffy Duffy's not great when he's kind of when the, the defence is pushed up and he's on the halfway line like Duffy suits a team that's kind of in relegation trouble or kind of suits a team that's always got their kind of backs against the wall I think he stands out and he looks great in those teams not that that's a knock on him but that's just just I think that's just how it is but uh, for me Clark I think is better on the ball I think Darrell Shea definitely I think I think it's I would go O'Shea and Clark as your two um, all things considered, I think O'Shea has done really well this season. He's kind of been in and out of the squad a little bit. He's with, with uh, West Brom, so to say. He's kind of established himself a little bit um, in recent weeks, which is good. But uh, he's good. He, I think Kenny likes him. Kenny has a lot of time for him. He's kind of a bit of an old school defender in the sense that he, 
he's like I think he's defending first, and I know and I know I kind of just knocked Duffy a little bit for that, but I think he's a little bit more refined Duffy on the ball. The only and, and again, if we go back to the Mitrovic thing, um, I know they've got Jovic as well there, but but if if Mitrovic does get does start, like you've got Karen Clark and knows him very very well, obviously from their time in Newcastle, so that could be a little bit of an advantage. But where I'd kind of worry about that those two, and, I, and even if Duffy plays, it's a worry as well. Not a lot of pace in that back two. I know John Egan is not Usain Bolt, but like I think when he plays, he does have that kind of he, he, he can kind of cope with a ball over the top, or he can cope with a, a bit of pace there. I'd worry a little bit about the two that I mentioned, Clark and O'Shea. But I I think he probably goes with Clark Clark and O'Shea. Now he could start Duffy, and it could be a, one of the, a classic Duffy game where he just. Everything into the box, headed away. Everything comes in, clearance. Everything. We obviously then. There's the thing, though. Everyone kind of mentions it, but if you don't play Duffy, you do probably kind of lose an asset in the in the other box. Like, and I know it's it's very Mick McCarthy style, but like it's hard to argue how good Duffy is um, when it comes to set pieces. And when you've got a team that just can't score for love nor money, like set pieces represent a great advantage, and Duffy has a huge advantage over the likes of Clark and O'Shea uh, when it comes to that. But then you could look at, okay, well, Howerhan's out, so the deliveries aren't probably going to be great. Do you bring Brady in for that? Probably for a different discussion. But for me, I'd, I'd go Clark and I'd go O'Shea as your two because I just think Duffy's just... The form that he's been he's been in has just been so poor and I think it'd be a risk to play him. Yeah, a risk against Mitrovic and, and Jovic. And we haven't even mentioned yeah. Vlavic, who's having a great season at Fiorentina as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and before we get into, and that's where we get into Tadic. And even Lajic yeah, is yeah. playing well in, in Turkey. Yeah. Because the centre-back options are so limited, and it certainly wouldn't usually be Stephen Kenny's style, is there a chance that you could put Seamus Coleman in a back three and then utilise the experience that Stevens and Doherty have as wing-backs? Or do you think it'd be more of a, a standard flat back no. four? Yeah, I can see him sticking to the to the flat back four. I don't think he'll uh, I don't think he'll make make changes like that, to be honest with you. I, I I no, I just can't see it. I think it'd probably be I don't know if it'd be a, a risk per se, because obviously I think people have kind of been calling for it for ages when you look at how good like especially last season, like Doherty and uh Darden Stevens, two of the best full backs in the league, like and both of them obviously playing wing back and then you've got like I think there was a stage last season where you had like nearly every player in the back five, or nearly every kind of starter, so you had like Duffy playing as a back five at Brighton. Um, who else did you have? You had obviously Egan playing there with the with Sheffield United, and then you were slot you could slot Coleman in, you could slot Clark in, but but no, I I don't think he'll he'll go with that. I think maybe if he had Egan there, he'd think about it, and if Doherty was in banging form, he'd think about it. But no, I, I don't think he'll 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 take that. I think he would see it as a risk. I don't think others would, but I don't I don't think he'll change. Um. I don't think it'll change that much. Around Christmas time, um, we're obviously all raving about Cueven Kelleher's form at Liverpool. He um, he had a couple of decent games when Alisson was missing. Um, and I think there was a kind of an idea that maybe if if he and Randolph were both available, that he could get the nod um, over him, considering he had a little bit more club form. Um, but obviously as things... Happened. Both of them are missing now. Um, the looks like it's going to be Mark Travers getting the nod. But do you think maybe Gavin Bizzuno? Obviously, he's only nineteen, but by all accounts, he's he's had a really good season at Rochdale, um, unknown from Man City. Do you think he is on the radar at all in, in, in maybe getting a, a nod in one of the games? 
I think I think it, it'll probably be it, to be fair in one of the games. Yeah, I think I think the Qatar game it'll probably be worth seeing what he can do, um, because he has been really good for Rossdale. There's no doubt about it. Now Rossdale have conceded a bucket load of goals in League One, which is not great for him, but he has been excellent and like getting that first team experience at what is quite a, I'm going to call it a decent level. Like League One is 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 for a player that's that young as well. Like. Um, it's a decent level, and he's playing week in, week out. For when you're considering he's, a, he's only what 18, he's a goalkeeper. Like that's so so young, frighteningly young for a goalkeeper, really. But I think Kenny has mentioned that Travers is next in line. I, I probably would. I mean, I think Travers would probably just edge it for me because, like, it's it's a huge risk. Like it would be a huge risk. As, and this is not a knock on Pizzuno at all. I think Pizzuno brilliant, and I think he's going to be Arnold one for years. Like whenever I've seen him, he's just brilliant. I took a, he took a huge stretch kind of over the last couple of years. And he probably looks like no, I know, I know. He was what sixteen playing for Rovers, saving penalties and playing in Europe, which is a which is a when I was sixteen, I couldn't even tie my shoelaces. Like, and he's doing that; it's unbelievable. But like, for me, it's a, it's a big risk. Like, this is a game that Kenny needs a result in, and he needs a positive performance, and he needs a goal. He needs a lot from this game. Like, so to to kind of throw in, and I know his hand has obviously been forced. There's no doubt about it. But to throw in an eighteen year old goalkeeper. In his first his first call up to the international team, that'd be for me anyway, and I think Kenny probably would see it similar. That'd be a huge risk. Now Travers is a bit unfortunate in the sense that he went on loan to Swindon and then got called back. I think Bournemouth had an injury to their second choice goalkeeper, so he got called back anyway only after like one or two games, which must be usually frustrating for him because I think everyone kind of was of the same. A lot of Irish fans would have seen Bournemouth go down, and it's like like the Edith thing. They would have seen Bournemouth go down and thought, "Oh, great, there's a chance for now." Because obviously Ramsdale then went to Sheffield United, so you're thinking, "Oh, brilliant, you've got Travers there with him with a huge show of kind of playing, maybe even a full to like 30, 40 games a season." But then obviously Begovic, they kind of the manager Jason Tindall came in and he's gone now, but he came in and he kind of fancied Begovic a bit more. Which, in fairness, Begovic solid goalkeeper, championship level, can't really argue with, but. Travers is an interesting one. I think he'd done okay in the couple of games he's played before for I think it was a couple of friendlies. Was it New Zealand and Bulgaria that time? I think he featured in those ones. And he'd done fine. Um when he played for Bournemouth a couple of times, I've seen him in the Premier League. I know he played against was it his debut against Spurs was brilliant and then the next game I think he conceded like six or seven and it wasn't that great for him. Again though, he's very young for a goalkeeper, so there's a risk in it. Definitely I I was the Kieran Westwood thing, I was kind of, I, I would have said that he, I know, I think he, he was, in, I think he's injured, or there was, there was a reason behind him not, not coming anyway, um, but he was the one that I kind of looked at and thought, well, that would probably solve an issue in a way. He's back playing for Sheffield Wednesday. He's got decent level of, ex- very good level of experience, decent level, and in, decent at international level. I think he probably would have solved it, but yeah, the goalkeeper one is, it's, it's tricky. It'll probably, be, it's more likely going to be Travers. I think Bazzuni was probably in with a show. He's just a little bit too young or just a little bit too inexperienced maybe at that level. And the game is so big. like It's, it's just a lot in it. And I think all the kind of factors lead into it. And you've got Aiden O'Hara too, who's just not really getting his game. I don't think at Burton Albion. So that's quite a tough one. But like that's just going back to Kenny just not being able to catch a break. Like The fact that not only Randolph, but Kelleher as well. And in fairness, I think it was mentioned, but I think he probably would have had a decision to make if everyone was fit. Like, do you go with Randolph? All reliable. Never. I mean, he made kind of what a slight error against Finland, but I wouldn't even hold that against him when you consider all the games. Just dig this out. Of. Do you go with that or do you go with Kelleher, who's kind of impressing, to be fair, when he's played for Liverpool and he suits Kenny's style to the ground of passing? Like, he's he's brilliant on the ball. Like, a little quarterback there, kind of. But, um, 
yeah, for me, it's going to be Travers. I think Bazunu, not again, probably not a knock on Bazunu, but I, it's one I'm in, I'm interested to see. It. There's no doubt about. It. I'm interested to see how he does. And when you don't have as well, you see that's the the thing too. Then because you go, you go, you look at the defense and you think, well, I know it kind of it's a little bit of a reach, but maybe can you look at it and think, well, Duffy would be better because if I go, I know Clark is experienced too, but like if you look at that kind of three trio, you've got. Travers not very experienced. O'Shea experienced, okay, couple of caps international level, not huge experience. And you've got Clark who's got experience there. Like, do, does he want to kind of solidify that trio, that, that trio, should I say, and kind of stick with a Duffy and Clark? Which you know that's pretty tried and tested. I would say, I know Duffy's bang out of form because you've got that inexperience of Travers there, and you've got Travers who's probably, I mean, of course he's going to be nervous. Like, it's, it's such a huge game. There's no doubt about it. So do you kind of offset that with two hugely experienced centre halves? Or do you kind of go, okay, well, O'Shea's the one in the form. I trust him more. I'll put him with Clark. But I've still got the kind of inexperience of Travers who might be a bit nervous there. So there's so many dynamics in the squad and the starting eleven like that that I'm really intrigued to see how he goes. But um, to kind of to pull it back from the tangent, I think it'll probably be Travers, definitely. You mentioned Westwood. Um, a bit of a shame for him. Um, I think the... The, what Kenny said was that he's he's playing for Sheffield Wednesday, but he's not training, so he's not hundred percent. Yes, that was it, Kevin. Um, yeah. yeah, but I suppose a lot of probably the best club form of his career has coincided with Randolph having his best form in terms of uh, of starting for Ireland. So he hasn't really broke in during that last three or four years, which which is a, a real pity. Um, quick nod to the League of Ireland, obviously kicked off at the weekend. Um, I think Kenny as well mentioned that. The timing didn't necessarily fit in with, um, with I suppose how we wanted the the group to come together this week. But Graham Burke is on um, the extended list of, of players uh, to come in, uh, joining um, Shamrock Rovers now on a permanent deal in the summer. Is there anyone else maybe on the radar? Um, I know before, like Jack Byrne was a kind of a permanent fixture in this podcast in terms of kind of giving him that yeah. little bit of a mention in terms of being that League of Ireland guy but I suppose looking beyond him now obviously he's left for Cyprus um, Michael Duffy is available now for Ireland I think um, his clearance finally got through has has the boat maybe passed for him um, Duff, yeah I know Duffy, was, sorry sorry Kev I know there was kind of a suggestion that he would have been called in last time out under Kenny had he been available but um, obviously the the Northern FA were kind of dragging their heels on, on on getting him cleared. Yeah, yeah, Duffy's an interesting one, really. Um, I yeah, like the timing is not great. Obviously, I don't think the boat's necessarily passing. I think if he kind of starts ripping off for Dundalk, I think he probably has a has a good good chance of getting in there. And like he's he's yeah, like he's obviously Kenny has plenty of experience with him, and he's he's the kind of winger who kind of will like he's an exciting winger for sure. I I I'm. I'm a big fan of Duffy, to be fair. I think he could probably, he could definitely be a member of the squad. I don't, I think a lot has to kind of go right for him to probably get himself to be an established member of the squad as opposed to someone who's kind of called up if there's injuries, something like that. Obviously, like someone like McInniff, who obviously with our hearts now, but we saw him kind of coming in um, in the last campaign. But uh, I think it's probably yeah Duffy and Burke. I think that's probably as far as it will go at the moment. I mean, for me anyway, and it's not to knock the League of Ireland, but I think you have to be out, outstanding in the League of Ireland to be in with a chance of kind of being in the squad right now. And I know Kenny is the Kenny is obviously a League of Ireland savant, so like 
it's not like I mean he's not going to pass over a player who doesn't deserve it but I just think for me you have to kind of be at a, a really really high level I think Jack Byrne was I think Duffy is when he's when he's on and I think Graham Burke has the ability to be as well uh, so for me it's probably just about just probably narrowed down to those two um, and I think he'd probably be more inclined and again if this if they're in the League of Ireland excellent but he'd be more inclined to kind of call up as, as we saw with, with someone like Connor Coventry especially now I'll be interested to see now kind of in June and stuff like that but um, he'd be more inclined to call up a, a 21s player I think um, than he probably would be someone who's who's playing in the League of Ireland like like as I said like Connor Coventry Connor Coventry is an interesting one actually I'm, I'm intrigued to see kind of if he because that's where the Qatar game you spoke I know this is kind of a little bit off topic but the Qatar game could be interesting in the sense that it could be a real you see it's it's either going to be a real opportunity for Kenny to kind of test out a lot of those guys like Parrot, Coventry, Bazunu, or it's going to be if Ireland struggle, lose against Serbia, struggle against Luxembourg, it's going to be a go oh, suddenly. We, I know it's a friendly against Qatar, but maybe suddenly we have to get something here, or suddenly we have to win, and that has to be a decent win. So, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, to, to go sorry to go back to your original point, I think it's probably for for me at the moment anyway, and I, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out in the League of Ireland. Like someone, you know what I mean? There might be someone who who breaks yeah. out who who does something that we don't see coming and that would be brilliant a young player comes out and just just rips it up completely and we suddenly think wow well he's maybe he's in with a shout but at the moment I think based off kind of obviously can't base off current form but based off prior form I think when they're on it you'd probably go with Burke I mean I'd be interested to see how Mandreo does um, but I, I don't I don't know when I've seen him at 21's level he's never been excellent and I, I think He's kind of the player that can drift in and out of games, but yeah, no, for me, sorry to go back. I think it's it's probably it's probably limited to Burke and Duffy at the moment. Quick mention um, about the under twenty ones. They're um, they're playing Wales this week. I think in a friendly, so it's not necessarily um, yeah. an important game, but it, it is still nice to see guys get be involved. Um, and one name that kind of stood out to me in in, in the panel was um, Connor Noss from from watching Gladbeck. Um, I suppose, given his profile in the Bundesliga, there was a little bit of worry that he wouldn't pick Ireland, but it looks like he he's all in, which which is a good sign. Um, one player who mightn't be all in, and there's obviously, if you want to read between the lines, you can this week, uh, given that he's just been dropped out of the squad, is um, Adepimo Odebeko of, of West Ham. Um, and anyone familiar with him would obviously have seen him come on against uh, Manchester United a few weeks back in the Cup. Is there anything to, to worry about there? Um, possible allegiance issues? Um, I suppose, obviously very highly rated at West Ham if he's involved in the, in the senior squad. Yeah, I think the scars of, of Jack Grealish and Declan Royce will, I think they'll linger long in the, <laughs> the memories of Irish fans. I think they've kind of They've they've switched something in their heads that will always the first thought is always oh oh they're they're gone if they can't make a squad if a young player can't make a squad or something like that happens the first thought is automatically runs to oh well they're gone team or they're gonna play for another country to be honest with you I don't know I, I wouldn't like to speculate um I know that the the reason was mentioned that that they kind of it's just been mutually agreed by the club and Ireland that they kind of want him in and around the first team or I think it's just with the amount of games coming up or something like that so again. As you mentioned, kind of reading between the lines, you could probably say it doesn't look great. I wouldn't like to speculate, as I said. Um, I think Jim Crawford's talked them up a little bit um, before. So to me, that kind of would suggest that he has a pretty good relationship with him. Um, he's an exciting player. There's no doubt about it. He's only 18. He's already featured for West Ham's first team. and He's been he's been scoring a few goals for the 23s. It was great. But um, 
I, I don't like the fact that Declan Rice is in the same team as him. Uh, I hope that there's no kind of bending of the ear there. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope that's not the case. But, um, uh, I suppose no, as I said, it. sorry, sorry. Like he he is he was born in Dublin. I mean, I think it has to be a pretty much a pretty strong stretch for for, for to be worried at this stage. Yeah, I know. But I've seen a few things. Like I know he follows again. This he follows the FA on Instagram and stuff like that. But like I, again, that's not. I don't think that's anything to necessarily yeah. look into. Really, like that's no indication of the players. You know what I mean? The players like I, like God only knows who I follow on Instagram. That doesn't mean I'm going to switch allegiance to. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, the opportunity, the opportunity will never ever happen. I think I'm 25 this day, so my, my international career is long, long gone. But like, I, do, I don't think that's any kind of that's any real indication. And to be fair, it's just as I said, it's just those scars of of Death and Royce of Jack Grealish. People still kind of the first automatic thoughts. Oh God, they're gone. But I, I don't know. I think it'll we'll wait and see. But to be fair. Aside from that, I mean, there's plenty, plenty of talent in that 21s team, regardless. Um, and I know Packed, a couple of guys, yeah, it really is. It's great. It's great to see. I, I love, I love watching 21s. I love seeing a lot of these new players get called in, like someone like Ethan Varian off Stoke, 18 year old guy from Cork. Like, it's great to see a player like that called in. Um, you've obviously got your established strikers like Afalabi's there. Uh, Josh JJ Coyadi is doing really, really well with um, Carlisle. I think he's on loan from Carlisle. From, yeah, 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 from Rotherham. Um, you mentioned Conor Noss. I'm actually super excited to see what Conor Noss can do. Uh, I've seen clips of him, but I've never seen him live. Or I've not not live. I've not seen him kind of um, like yeah. I've not seen him live essentially. So I'm really really interested to see what he can do. There's a lot of guys I'm I'm, I'm super excited to to kind of get a look at in that 21 team. I think there's I know it's going to be more now. Uh, 14 14 new call ups. I think uh, Jim Crawford had. So it's going to be great. Luke O'Connell in there too. Um, that was a weird move. For him to go from Celtic to Queen of the South, or is it Queen of the South? I think so. Queen's Park, maybe. Sorry, uh, but yeah, no. So uh, for me, it's it's great. I, I as I said, I, I've always enjoyed the twenty ones. I think for me, Kenny anyway. Kenny, since Kenny's come in, twenty ones have been great, and I think Jim Croft is great too. So uh, I'm looking forward to that game. I know, as you said, uh, Kevin, it's only a friendly, but it's a great chance for players to to get some kind of to I suppose play themselves into squads later down the line. I think, um, but. No, there's plenty, plenty of talent in that in that twenty ones team, and hopefully they can kind of they can keep keep up because like the last campaign was brilliant. I know we Ireland didn't qualify, but like some of the some of the results they had, like that five two against Sweden, and I know now it's important to remember that a lot of that squad is gone. But like, if you have that established, though, it won't be such a drop off, or it won't be like it's the, it's like the funnel thing. You know what I mean? It has to if players are consistently jumping up, and that's where I, I think I spoke on this before, but like. For me, the frustration for years has always been the fact that, and you can see it now as well, the fact that like the 17s, the 19s, and the 21s, for me, that's over the last three or four years, that's been pretty good in terms of like a flow. So if, if a player is ex- really, say, really, really excelling, I know it hasn't necessarily happened that much, but the player is really, really excelling at 17s, they can jump up to 21s, they can jump to 19s, and then you, like you can jump back down to 17. You know that kind of way. There's, there's, there's that flow. But the disconnect then is with the first team. Because for so many years, 21 players just never got called up there. Whereas now you look at what Kenny has has done. He's called up, I think he's called up a ridiculous, like 12. I think he's capped or something along those lines. And again, important to remember the caveat of COVID. Um, squads have been, squads have been devastated by that. Yeah. So like there's a lot of them has, a lot of the call-ups have been forced, but still it's great to see. So uh, I'll be interested to see how the 21s look. A pretty new look 21s, but uh, still plenty of talent. So 
no, again, as I said, I always, I always enjoy mm. watching the finals. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we were looking at that kind of star-studded under-21 squad. And I suppose it's really important to remember that we are, in terms of the senior squad, where we are at the beginning of a new era. And you look at the profile of the side. I mean, Bazunu could get his first cap this week. Darroshea already has four caps. Malumbi has five. Jason Knight has been capped a couple of times and already been men of the match. You know, Troy Parrott, Aaron Connolly, they've all been involved, which, I mean, when you're at the beginnings of a new era where you're introducing so many players at once and you can already look at guys who who have been blooded and have kind of been in a couple of camps, um, you know, it, 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 there are a lot of positive signs with Ireland, even if we haven't really seen, haven't seen it materialise on the field so far. 100%, yeah, I agree with you so much there. Like, it's important for people to remember that this is a project like and and what Kenny has taken over from like I don't know if people are looking at the McCarthy the last McCarthy one with a bit of kind of green tinted goggles and they're kind of thinking oh well look how like we've we done this and we've done that but like the, the style of play it's such a different style of play that Kenny wants like, he really is changing so much and like it's so difficult as well for like at international level because whatever about club level, like even if you look at someone like like Guardiola coming to City, City, like it took Guardiola a year to kind of really stamp his authority on that City team. And now obviously they're brilliant. They won like three league titles or whatever. But like that's a year at club level where you're, where you're seeing the same players every week. You're playing games every week. Whereas now with Kenny, like it's so tough when you don't see players for another six months or so. You know what I mean? You have six month breaks whatever, the, 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 the international windows last maybe, what, 10 days? Like, so it's, it must be so difficult for Kenny to kind of properly establish the exact style of football he wants on a team that has been for so long. And this is where I think what you mentioned, Kevin, though, like the fact that the 21s are coming through, that this is where that will probably pay off because they'll be much more suited to the style that probably Kenny wants, whereas a lot of the, maybe the more senior players, it will take it. And again, it's not necessarily knocking them, but it might take a while for them to kind of, for not for it to click, but you know what I mean, to change from the mindset that kind of Mick McCarthy, even the, towards the, the latter end of Martin O'Neill's reign. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Like It's great to see those, those young players coming through. And this is these are the players that are going to be the, the backbone of Irish football for the next 10, mm. 10 years, at least. Like, And you have to kind of start them somewhere. And I think for so long, like, we started these players when they were 24 or 25 and you can't like, like it's, it's frustrating because it's always the fact that like he, I, he can't even mention his first press conference. He mentioned them, um, Egan and Doherty. And he said that, I think Egan had only got what, two or three caps at that stage and Doherty had seven. And he said like, Doherty was what, 27 maybe then? Egan was about 25. I'd say this is you now ballpark age. Can't quite remember exact quote, but he said that like, he felt that someone like John Egan was ready when he signed for Sheffield United from Brentford, I think. Or when he signed... Actually, I think he might have said before that. He might have said when Brentford signed him from Gillingham. He said, like, Egan was ready then. And it took him to be, like, what, 24, 25 before he got got a call-up or before he got a he got a start. And that's too late. Like, that's too late for so many players. And that's what's frustrating about it. Whereas now you've got Kenny and he's bringing lads in. He's bringing someone like Jason Knight in, 19 years of age, and he's already got he's already got a cap. He's already in the round squad. You've got Parrott, you've got Ida. And now, yes, okay, maybe in the past few years hasn't been the case. That I don't not not to call it a golden generation, but you know what I mean. There are so many good players coming through now. Maybe it wasn't the case in previous years. You could probably argue, but even if it was the case, like would them players have been trusted with that? 
Like even like a Declan Rice, you could go back to Declan Rice, Grealish. Like it's hard to argue for me anyway. Looking back at Jack Grealish, who had played I think seventeen games in the Premier League with Aston Villa when um, he, but like when he deflected, I suppose to England. I I can't listen to an argument to say that Jack Grealish wasn't ready then, and I can't really listen to an argument to say I know Declan Rice played only friendlies, but even like that Moldova game, you look back at it, and you think I I can't. He's played in the Premier League like more than 15 times I can't listen to an argument and say well well he wasn't ready do you know what I mean like he he yeah. wasn't ready Grealish wasn't ready um, they were too young and I think that the, the switch in that mindset is crucial because obviously we don't want that happening again we like obviously we want Irish players who want to play for Ireland playing for Ireland but I don't think that'll happen again because if a player is good enough under Kenny in Kenny's eyes it doesn't matter necessarily what age they are because they'll get their chance or they'll get to be in the squad. They'll, they'll, Kenny will trust them. And I think that was kind of a failing of regime, Irish regimes past. And you can kind of pinpoint Grealish and you can pinpoint Rice and you can pinpoint the managers thinking these are not good enough yet when they really were. And it's obviously it's easy to look back in hindsight and think, well, yeah, it's easy to say that's for Grealish. Look at the, look at the way they turned out. They're both brilliant. But you cannot tell me that a player who is, what, 18, 19 years of age, who's playing semi-regularly in the Premier League for Aston Villa, and a team who's, again, like like Rice, who's 18, 19, playing semi-regularly in the Premier League for West Ham, are not good enough for the Irish squad. So I think, yeah, to go, to go back to the original point, I think it's great to see that the, 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 the 21s are being given a chance way, way earlier than previous campaigns or previous regimes, and that's the way it should be. Because you look at Wales, you look at Wales are a great shining example of playing young players. Like they always bring guys through. They've done it for the last few years, and it's, it it pays off. Like the likes of your David Brooks, Dan James, they got Robbie Mutombo. I think they've given him a, a few games. He's only like eighteen or nineteen, so um, that's the key to it, and it'll pay off. It does the thing. Like people, a lot of Irish fans have that kind of the narrow thinking of it has to happen right now. And I know the performances haven't been great, and it's. The goals are not going in, which is worrying. But it's it's a long term thing, and it has to be thought of as a long term thing. And that's the worry. I would worry that will the FAI see that as a long term thing when the results, if the results continue to not arrive, will the fans see it as a long term thing if the results continue to not arrive? Probably not. That's a worry. But plenty of positives to take definitely so far from the Kenny campaign or the Kenny range, should I say? Leds, um, in terms of predictions, so for this week. Um Obviously, Serbia on Wednesday night and then Luxembourg on Saturday, which is a tie. You know, you'd have circled 10 times in, in, in red ink that you'd like to think that we might get on the score sheet somehow, <laughs> some way. We might I, somehow well, score a goal. Count down the minutes to that one, yeah. Absolutely. I'll pack it in. If, if they don't score in either of those three games, I'll, I might deflect England, actually. We'll all we'll be deflecting the Wales. Yeah, exactly. Um, Phil, how do you think the, the couple of games will go? Yeah, I don't think in the sh- in the very short term our pain is going to be eased too much. I think it'll be a, a battling, spirited nil-all or maybe a one-all if we're lucky for three to the two goals uh, away to Serbia. And then I think we might hope and puff our way to a uh, two or three goal margin against Luxembourg on Saturday, which four points from the first two games, I don't think you constitute that as terrible. Um, but I think anything less and you start to get a bit worried. So I think it'll be... Uh, Hard fought, dour enough draw against Serbia and uh, a bit of a huff and puff to get over Luxembourg with a few goals to spare. 
Yeah, I'm quite similar, to be honest. Um, if you look at Serbia, only one win in their last five competitive games, a new manager, you know, the losing the penalties to Scotland, you know, and then the manager obviously saying during the week that they expect to win quite comfortably, which, you know, isn't great really for a guy who hasn't um, had a, managed them in a game yet. So, <laughs> you know, Serbia aren't going into the game in peak condition, um, even though the, squ- the squad looks very strong and obviously Ireland have injuries. So I think, you know, neutral venue as well. I, I think it'll be a scrappy draw and then, you know, a quite uncomfortable viewing win against Luxembourg. Yeah, I'm kind of, well... I'm kind of similar in the sense I, I think four points is not bad but I think the way they get four points I think is crucial I think a score draw against Serbia is fine if it's a nil all I think we continue to worry because again no goal has gone in obviously clean sheet that's nice but you need a goal they have to get a goal somewhere it doesn't matter how it goes in I don't care who scores it but it has to go in and I think again the optimist in me is thinking well once one goes in you know kind of way once one goes in they'll all start falling I don't know if that will actually happen but we have to get one to get two so but uh, I think a score draw is okay against Serbia away from home they're the team or we're essentially competing against for that second place so to take some kind of points away from them is good uh, Luxembourg yeah I think I agree with the lads it would probably be some kind of scrappy two or three um, against them it, I think it has to be I mean anything less than that and you're you're in seriously worrying territory mm. but uh, yeah I'd take four points but a score draw in the, the Serbia game Fingers crossed so lads fingers and toes crossed I think yeah. um, Oshin thanks for coming on tonight No problem thanks for having me really enjoyed it